0: Please remain standing. I figured I'd let you stand so that we could read the scripture together. The scripture is taken from 2 Chronicles chapter 17, and it starts at verse 1 to 19. It says, Then Jehoshaphat, Asa's son, became the next king. He strengthened Judah to stand against any attack from Israel. He stationed troops in all the fortified towns of Judah, and he assigned additional garrisons to the land of Judah and to the towns of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early years and did not worship the images of Baal. He sought his father's God and obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. So the Lord established Jehoshaphat's control over the kingdom of Judah. All the people of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so he became very wealthy and highly esteemed. He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. He removed the pagan shrines and Asherah poles from Judah. In the third year of his reign, Jehoshaphat sent his officials to teach in all the towns of Judah. These officials included ben hale Obadiah, Zachariah, Nathaniel, Micaiah. He sent Levites along with them, including Shemaiah, Nedaniah, Zebediah, Ashiel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tob, Adonijah. He also sent out the priests, Elishama and Jehoram. They took copies of the book of the law and the Lord of the Lord and traveled around through the towns of Judah teaching the people. Then the fear of the Lord fell over the surrounding kingdoms so that none of them wanted to declare war on Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought him gifts and silver as tribute, and the Arabs brought 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful and built fortresses and storage cities throughout Judah. He stored numerous supplies in Judah's towns and stationed an army of seasoned troops at Jerusalem. His army was enrolled according to ancestral tribes. From Judah, there were 300,000 troops organized in units of 1,000 under the command of Adnah. Next in command was Jehohanan, who commanded 280,000 troops. Next was Amasiah, son of Zikri, who volunteered for the Lord's service with 200,000 troops under his command. From Benjamin, there were 200,000 troops equipped with bows and shield. They were under the command of Eliada, a veteran soldier. Next in command was Jehozabad, who commanded 180,000 armed men. These were the troops stationed in Jerusalem to serve the king. Besides those, Jehoshaphat stationed in the fortified towns throughout Judah. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for this time that we can share in your word together. And Father, indeed, we pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts to hear from you, that you would speak to us through your holy word, and that you would help us to be obedient to respond. So we thank you for this time, and we commit it into your hands. We ask that truly your Holy Spirit would move, have its way, and may you, Lord, speak to your people. So we thank you, and we commit it into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. After King Asa died... His son Jehoshaphat was the next who was in line to become king. Jehoshaphat became the fourth king of Judah. He was 35 years old when he began his reign, and his reign lasted for 25 years. So he became the king and was that for 25 years. When Jehoshaphat became king, one of the first things that he did, scripture tells us, was that he strengthened Judah to stand against any attack from Israel. He strengthened Judah to stand against any attack that would come their way against Israel. Now you need to understand that Israel was divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, which was referred to as Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was referred to as Judah. And so there was a division, and each one operated separately and had their own king. And often there was conflict between the two, as well as surrounding nations as well. So Jehoshaphat was now the king of Judah, So it wasn't uncommon, especially when there was a change in leadership, for other nations or other groups or even Israel to now try to attack because there was a change in leadership. And so it may have seemed like the perfect time to attack them. But the scripture tells us that Jehoshaphat strengthened the people. He strengthened the towns. He prepared them for anything that would come their way. From any attacks that would come, they would now be able to prepare and to withstand because they were ready. You see, Jehoshaphat was smart enough to understand that their enemies would not be ones who would just walk in through the front door. They wouldn't walk through the front door in in an obvious place, and they wouldn't be able to see them coming from far off. He knew that their enemies, those who wanted to attack and come against them, would try to slide in or slip through the back door, so to speak, or through places that were unguarded, and they could easily get in where there was an entranceway. However, Jehoshaphat knew that that was the strategy, and so we read about how he sent troops to guard the fortified cities. They were ready for any attack that was to come their way. You see, in the same way, we need to prepare ourselves to stand against spiritual attacks that may come our way. We need to get ready and prepare ourselves, knowing that as God's people, Satan and the kingdom of darkness will come against us. It's not if they will, it's a matter of when they will. Our enemy doesn't use the front door of our life. He will come through the parts, the cracks, the unguarded places in our life that we don't expect him to come into, the places of weakness, the places that we don't think that he's going to come through, and he doesn't come in obvious ways. And so it's important for us to be ready, to be strengthened spiritually, so when those times of weakness come, we can remain strong and not give in. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us, stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You see, Satan is not our friend, and he wants to do everything in his power to get us away from God to keep us away from worshiping God, and he tries to slip through the cracks in our life, the doors that are left open and the places that we didn't realize were unguarded. And that's why it's so important for us to, to pray and to be ready and to stand against it, to make sure that there are no open doors in our life that we've opened and left unguarded for the enemy to enter into it's important that we get ready. We need to remove strongholds and footholds so that we don't allow the devil the opportunity to come and attack us. You see, he often attacks us in ways that we don't expect, in places that we didn't know he would come after. The enemy comes and he sends his demons to attack our health. They attack our marriage and our children. They attack our our jobs and our mind and our thoughts. They send temptations our way, and he causes disunity in families. He attacks our finances, and he makes us question our faith in God. The enemy comes in subtle ways, but he comes. And it's important for us to be prepared, to be strengthened spiritually so that we can withstand those times in our life. Have you ever felt the closer I try to get to God, it just seems like one thing after another, after another keeps happening. Have you ever felt that way? You see, the devil is not concerned about people who don't know God. Understand this. That he is concerned about those who are worshiping the one true living God. And he will do everything in his power to try to keep us away. So the closer we try to get to God, the more we try to draw close to God and, and know him and pray and read our Bible and whatnot. Is the harder that he will work to pull us away. And that's why things seem to keep happening in our lives. Things keep seeming to to not go our way because those are spiritual attacks that are coming and they're not from God. And we need to understand that to pray against it. Preparing yourself to stand against spiritual attack requires full surrender to Jesus Christ. It requires us to be fully surrendered to him. You see, God cannot protect what isn't his. Understand that. That if we don't belong to God, we can't expect his protection upon our life. And so we need to have full surrender to Jesus Christ. Give him full access and full reign to know that he's got us covered on every side because we belong to him. So it requires full surrender to Jesus Christ. It also requires true repentance. You see, if there's sin that's left in our life that is, that's not um, repented of, then those are doorways for the enemy to come in. So if we are constantly living in sin and allowing sin to resignate and stay, and we haven't asked God to forgive us, then those are doorways to come in, and it's important that we pray, ask God to forgive us, and close those doors. One of those doorways can also be unforgiveness. If we are harboring unforgiveness against others, we need to get rid of that, because we're just hurting ourselves. Staying away from demonic influences like mediums, Ouija boards, psychics, those are all things that we need to stay away from. Being fully prepared and strengthened spiritually requires us to pray and to fast. Preparing ourselves spiritually, asking God through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. It requires us to memorize the word of God to know the word of God, to study it, but to memorize it. Some of you growing up in Sunday school, remember that you had memory verses, right? Those weren't just for fun, but they were so that the word of God would be instilled in you so that today as adults, you're able to recall the word of God. You're able to use it at your defense. You're able to know it and know what is expected of you. And that's why we need to memorize the word of God, putting on the full armor of God to spiritually protect ourselves and ask God to help us. You see, spiritual attacks are real. And even if you don't think you've ever gotten one, I'm sure you have, you just don't know it. Or you don't realize it. And they come in different ways. And it's important for us to be prepared. For myself, personally, I've experienced many spiritual attacks in my life. And and to be honest with you, and I don't normally tell people this, but I get them quite often in my dreams. And one of the things that I find, and it's not always, but when I pray, I get extreme headaches. And, And you may say, well, it's a coincidence. But the moment I stop, they go away. You see, the enemy attacks us because he wants to pull us as far away from God as he can. Don't let him. Don't let him. Strengthen yourself, prepare yourself, and allow yourself to be able to stand against the enemy. Remind yourself, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Amen. So we're told that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early years and did not worship the images of the Baal. Although his father wasn't perfect, he made a lot of mistakes. He did set a good example for Jehoshaphat to follow. And thankfully, Jehoshaphat knew that he needed to serve the one true living God, and he followed after the example his father set out to him. And so he didn't worship the Baals, he didn't worship the idols, he didn't worship any of those other things. He worshiped and stayed true to God Almighty. This is a reminder of the importance of setting a good and godly example for others to follow. It's an example of how we need to set good and godly examples for people to follow. People are always watching us. They're always looking, and especially when we confess to be Christians, especially when we say that we live above to God's standard, then people are watching to make sure that we are. There are some people who will never open a Bible in their life. And the only thing, the only influence that they will ever see is how we live is the example that we set. Some of your family members will never step foot in a church. They'll never open a Bible, but the way you live sets an example. Some of your coworkers will never want to hear about Jesus, but the way you live sets an example. Some of your friends and people at your school or sports teams or wherever it is that you spend social time will never care to memorize scripture. But they will see how you live. You see, it's important for us to set a good and godly example for others to follow. Set an example, because the reality is that depending on how we live, when people know that we're Christians, we can either draw people to Jesus or we can turn them off and turn them away. Which one are you doing? What are we doing in our life? Are we setting that good and godly example for others to follow? You see, setting an example isn't rocket science, and we don't have to go out of our way all the time to do it. It means simply living in such a way, understand this, living in such a way that we love God and we love others. That's what it means. That's how we set an example. So how do we do that? Simple, holding the doors for strangers when you walk in instead of letting the door slam behind you simply hold the door for the person coming in behind you whether you know them or not letting the car in your trying to get in your lane go instead of making it more difficult for them letting them go cut in traffic saying hello to someone who passes by you even if you know them or not Saying hi or good morning. You know what it feels like for someone to just walk right by you, stare you full in the face, and not say a word, right? Be the first one to say hi, whether or not they say hi or not. Tip generously. That's setting a good example. Sharing your lunch with someone who may have forgotten theirs and doesn't have a lunch. Letting someone with one item go before you in the checkout line when you have a whole cart full of items. That's setting an example. That's being a decent person. Being patient with the cashier in training. That's setting an example. Buying someone homeless a cup of coffee. That's setting an example. You see, we set examples sometimes without realizing it. And in our everyday life, we have so many teaching moments, places that we can set a good example for our family and for strangers, and especially those of you who are parents, who are guardians, grandparents, who have children in your care. It's so important that you set a good example, because as you know, children are like sponges, right? They uh, retain and absorb things you say, things you do, all of that. And so this is the time for you to set those good examples. Set the example of you spending time in worship, praying and worshiping the Lord, reading your Bible. Let them see that. Set that example with them and do it with them because that will teach them what it truly means to be a Christ follower. Thank you so much to so many of you who over the years have set Such good and godly examples for us to follow. May we continue to do so. Verse 4 tells us that he, Jehoshaphat, sought his father's God and obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. You see, during that time, there were so many evil practices going on, so many things that were contrary to what God expected of the people and worshiping so many different things. They were being influenced by the nations around them, wanting to learn the practices and worship those idols. And instead of serving the God who had brought them thus far, the God of their forefathers, they abandoned God and started going after idols and worshiping all of these pagan gods and and different statues. One of the things it tells us that they had was an Asherah pole. In case you don't know what that is, an Asherah pole was a sacred tree or pole that stood near Canaanite religious locations. It was to honor the pagan goddess Asherah, often people refer to as the god of fertility. So Jehoshaphat removed the pagan shrines and he tore down the Asherah poles from Judah. In other words, what he did was get rid of all of the idols, all of the things that were holding the people back from worshiping God. He removed all of those stumbling blocks so they had no other choice but to stop worshiping those idols and those pagan gods. He removed them out and he helped them to understand and turn back to the one true living God. You see, not much has changed today in our society. Not much is really that much different. Because people can believe, they can think, they can worship whoever and whatever they want. You know, whatever I believe is my right. (laughs) Whatever I want to believe is true to me. And that's what we're told But it's now more than ever, we need to seek to obey God and not the practices of those around us. We need to seek to obey God and not the practices, not the evil things, not the things that are around us. And that's point number three, for us to make sure that we are living in right relationship with God. We can be so concerned with not wanting to offend other people and hurt their feelings that we neglect God's commands and we neglect doing what he desires for us to do. And let me tell you something, and I want you to understand this very clearly. We need to be respectful people, okay? We need to be respectful people, and, and, and I try my best to be respectful to all people, people who believe what I believe and who don't believe what I believe. And I'm not going to, you know, guilt someone or, or try to force them because we shouldn't do that because then it's not genuine for them to believe what I believe. But at the same time, I believe that we need to understand that we need to be obedient to what God requires of us even if that's not what the world says is right. We need to do that. And so we can be respectful or we can, as people say, uh, agree to disagree with how things are done. But we need to believe what God tells us is the truth, which is contained in the word of God, and that doesn't change. We need to believe what God says in his word is holy and true. Believe. That God is uncreated. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is uncreated. Believe because his word talks about how from his words he created all that is seen and unseen. Believe because his word talks about the fact that Jesus is the fullness of God incarnate. That's what it teaches us and that's what we believe. Believe that only God has the power and the ability and the authority to forgive our sins. Believe that through Jesus' death and his resurrection that we have the gift of eternal life. Believe that Jesus is coming back one day. Believe that there is a heaven and there is a hell. Believe that there is only one true living God and the way to him is through Jesus Christ. That's what we're to believe because that's what the Bible teaches us. And we need to stand firm on our beliefs even when others don't agree. That's okay because we know what we believe. There are certain practices that we're told is now acceptable. Acceptable by our society and our government and that we should accept as well. And you know when I I hear that, of course, there's so much, you know, that, that we need to wrestle with. But I also understand that as much as a society accepts that, there's a difference in allowing it to happen and then supporting it and being part of it. There's a difference there. Because I believe that we need to show people love and respect and respect their choices that they've made. But I love God so much more. I love him so much more than to disrespect that what he says is wrong is still wrong. What he says in his word is wrong is still wrong. Sin is still wrong. Sexual relations before marriage is still wrong. Homosexuality is still wrong. Abortions are still wrong. Consulting with mediums and psychics and and all of those things are still wrong. You see, the word of God has not changed And so they're still wrong. (laughs) We need to stand firm on what God teaches us. We're called to live in the world. But I think so many people get confused and start to live of the world. But may we seek to obey God and not the practices of those around us. That's what Jehoshaphat strived for the people to do. He tore down all of those obstacles and helped the people to now come back and turn back to God. One of the reasons the people of Judah constantly fell into idol worship, constantly went against God was because they were biblically illiterate. Understand this. They were biblically illiterate. They had never taken the time to listen to and to discuss what God's law said and to understand how it could change them. So Jehoshaphat recognized their need to learn God's law, and he sent his officials, it tells us he sent Levites, he sent priests, into all the towns of Judah, teaching the people. Teaching the people. In verse 9, it says, they took copies of the book of the law of the Lord and traveled around through the towns of Judah, teaching the people. Today, I want to remind us To make a strong effort to study and teach God's word. Make a strong effort to study and to teach God's word. The Bible commentary says this. Jehoshaphat realized that knowing God's commands was the first step to getting people to live as they should. So he initiated a nationwide religious education program. He reversed the religious decline that had occurred at the end of Asa's reign by putting God first in the people's mind and instilling in them a sense of commitment and mission. Jehoshaphat knew that the people needed to learn. They needed to study. They needed to be taught God's laws, God's commands, the word of God. They needed to be Because this was the nation that God had chosen. This was the nation that God had set apart. And after this, we see that they began to follow God. You see, it's so important for us to put in the effort to study and to teach God's word. And I'm not talking about a formal classroom setting. Because you're probably wondering, well, how am I going to teach God's word. That's not my job. That's not the opportunity I have. But you see, we teach God's word simply when we tell someone and we correct someone by saying, Please don't take the name of the Lord in vain. We teach and we educate people by saying, I can't come to that event because Sunday is the Sabbath and that's the day I go to church and worship the Lord. We teach people. By correcting and telling them that we don't do certain things or we do do certain things. That's teaching people in our everyday life. That's educating. That's helping them to understand. You see, we need to study God's word so that we understand what he expects of us. As I said, children are so absorbent. And that's why we need to take the time to instill in them values at such a young age to understand about God, tell them Bible stories, tell them about God and his love for them. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 to 20 says this. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your home and the gates of your house. You see, basically what that scripture is saying is do not neglect telling your family, telling your children, teaching them about God's word. And when we are constantly in the habit of doing it, It becomes more easy when we tell them a Bible story before going to bed. When we tell them that we need to pray before we eat breakfast. When we tell them this and teach them that, that helps to instill in them the values that they need and God calls us to. Jehoshaphat saw the value in teaching God's people the law. In verse 10, it says, Then the fear of the Lord fell over all the surrounding kingdoms, so that none of them wanted to declare war on Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought him gifts and silver as tribute, and the Arabs brought 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. Those who were once enemies were now coming in peace and bringing Jehoshaphat gifts. And this is the last point for today. Only the Lord can silence our enemies and give us peace. Only the Lord can do it. You see, these were enemies. These were opposing nations. And because God's hand of blessing and protection and provision was upon Jehoshaphat, no one could touch him. God had protected him and sealed him. And so the opposing nations, instead of coming to war with him, came to bless him and join forces and to come in peace and bring him gifts. Only the Lord is able to silence the enemies that come against us. Only he can give us protection and give us peace. Are we trusting in him? Are we committing our ways to him? Are we acknowledging his power and his authority in our life? Don't try to fight your battles. Instead, humble yourself to God. Submit to him and allow him to fight on your behalf to silence your enemies, and to give us peace. Amen. Jehoshaphat can teach us many things. Prepare yourself to stand against spiritual attacks that will come your way. Set a good and godly example for others to follow. Seek to obey God and not the practices of those around us. Make a strong effort to study and teach God's word and remember that only God can silence our enemies and give us peace. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the power and the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that indeed as your people, you would strengthen us spiritually, you would open up the eyes of our hearts, our spiritual eyes, to see, Lord, and to understand the things, the weaknesses that we may have so that we can be strengthened, so that we don't fall into temptation, so that we don't fall into the traps of the enemy, but that we can serve you and serve you faithfully, O oh God. We pray that you would help us to be people who set a good and godly example. We pray that you would use us, Lord, wherever we are day in and day out, That whether family or strangers, friends or relatives, you would help us to be a light in a world of darkness. And that you would help us to stay true to you, to seek to obey you and your commands and not the things that society says we should just be okay with but that we should stay true to you, O oh God, and stand firm on your word. So help us, Lord, as we continue to study diligently, study your word, memorize your word, and help teach others. And we thank you that when we have submitted ourselves to you fully and we are trusting in you, then we can have peace knowing that you fight our battles for us. And so we thank you, O oh God, for your love that is unconditional unconditional and your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.